Do you like pop culture? I do. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Andrew. Oh. If you enjoy movies, television, all that kind of stuff, uh, we have a lot of fun on Sif Pop Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. So you can come check us out every week. You can listen live or just download it to your podcast feed. Every single week, Aaron breaks down the newest movies that are big in theaters, and I make funny noises. <laughs> you could probably pick one of those that you would like. You can join us every weekend live by looking at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA, or you can find us in your podcast player of preference by searching for Sift Pop. <laughs> Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast featuring Andy Carr's name. I'm one of your co-hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me, cackling like crazy, Drew Douglas. I'm feeling silly. You throw in Andy Carr's name and we're going to have the perfect combination. I don't get it. Thank you for joining us. If you've never listened to an episode of Quality Check Podcast, you're in for a treat with this episode. We are going back to a format that we have done in the past, and it's called To Stream or Not To Stream. That's where we will cover two new Netflix original movies in the tall grass, and El Camino, a Breaking Bad story, and we'll tell you whether or not you should stream or not to stream. I think it's a Breaking Bad movie. That's what it's called. I'm not calling Honestly, it that. It's just El Camino. It just, yeah. That's like this subtitle that's next to it. And they had to work in Breaking Bad, just like Hobbs and Shaw had to work in Fast and Furious in that title, so that people were like, oh, you know what? That's a Fast and Furious movie. I still haven't I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw yet. Don't do it. I have to. Well, you've I, seen all of those movies in the theater except for Hobbs and Shaw. Do yeah, you, that was the first one I hadn't. Do you feel like you're missing... A vital part of life not being able to see that no <laughs> no um i want to see uh idris elba he is fantastic is he in it for more than 10 minutes yes okay and he's a delight he is probably the best thing about that movie and i'm sure that's probably not very hard to honestly i did not have fun with that and I know a lot of people loved it and ate it up. It's one of those movies that you know exactly what you're getting whenever you start it. But I just wasn't feeling it. It's on iTunes now. I'm going to download it. I would say don't download it on iTunes. <laughs> I, that's what I meant. <laughs> just watch it for free. That's exactly how we watched the two movies that we're covering today. But before we get to that, we've got... Trailer talk. This is something we haven't done in a while, and we're bringing it back. We will bring up whether we loves it or hates it after watching the trailer. And first up, we've got Disney's Jungle Cruise. Legend has it there is a tree in the Amazon that possesses unparalleled healing powers. And the arrowhead is the key to unlocking it. Stop her! Hello. Uh, just wanted you to know this has been mislabeled. He's shipping outlets? Of all the jungle cruises you can take in the Amazon, this one is undoubtedly the cheapest. But also the most thrilling. Heads up, coming through. Look out! 
lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. The backside of water. Now, this is based off of the actual ride at Disney. And I love how they're more or less saying, you know what, all of our properties after the Pirates franchise is more or less dead. Is it dead? Is it, it's just still kind of lingering? I don't know. I'm sure that they're trying to what, bring Pirates? it. What, Pirates? Yeah. I think they're rebooting it. Oh, great. With Johnny Depp again, I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that guy might be done. What if they bring on Johnny Depp, but they end up using the technology Ang Lee used in Gemini Man to make it look like a teenage Johnny Depp? Would that make it okay? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Jungle Cruise, this movie stars Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. After watching it... What are your thoughts on it? Loves it or hates it? Hmm. I think I'm going to say loves. You know what would make this movie way better? Killian Murphy. No, Chris Pine should be the rock <sighs> character. That's oh, perfect for him. That's actually really good. I would like to see that. Now, that's a movie. I, I think Dwayne Johnson will look really cool in this. He does look really cool, but I think he'll be really good. But I think pairing him and Emily Blunt together will be a dynamic force. And I Who, guarantee... The Rock? Mm -hmm, I guarantee you this is going to be the new Pirates for Disney. This is going to explode. But what they should do with Disney, since they've now taken over Lucasfilm, is say, you know what, Indiana Jones? You've had your day. We're moving on and going to Emily Blunt as this character. She's going to be our main star. We want you to start this entire franchise and base it off of her. No more Indy. I love Indy, but just let's do something original and do it with Emily Blunt. She's super charming. You add the charisma of The Rock. Together, we've got Jungle Cruise. That's why I'm going to give this Loves It. We also got a little bit of Jesse Plemons. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. It should have been Pine. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I could see that. I would like that. Are you going to see this in theaters? Uh, I guarantee you that my girlfriend will be wanting to see this opening night. So, yeah, I'll be seeing it. I, mm, that's tough. It looks like fun. I, I imagine I will probably see it too. Was this trailer what you were expecting? Yes. But is it better than you were expecting? No, it just looks like fun. It's just a, a goofball kind of movie. It looks like the new Jumanji, that's for sure. Ugh. Oh. No, it, it really doesn't. I I feel like this could be Does a blockbuster one, hit. Yeah, that, that's true. But this one won't be stuffed with shows. Oh, well, the next movie guaranteed will be filled with that. And that's Doolittle. We have no choice but to embark on this perilous journey. Everyone pack your bags. <laughs> you can talk to animals. Yes, I think 
to myself Oh, what a wonderful world Robert Downey Jr. as Dr. Doolittle and a bunch of talking animals. It's something I think has been delayed for a couple years now. Fifteen. Fifteen years? Yep. Shut up. I have no idea. Uh, it has been delayed, though. And I want to say this is like a passion project for Robert Downey Jr. And that's what I heard. RDJ. I'm going to say loves it, even though I don't think it looks great. It looks better than what I expected. I've got two words. Hates it. Whoa! As soon as I watched it i think i stopped it midway through and i text you i'm like this looks awful you did i guess i said this looks rough his robert downey jr post mcu his career is going to be really interesting because he really hasn't had much success outside of playing tony stark i'll watch it because of my movie subscription plan i'll definitely watch it it'll be a free movie and i'll be happy about that that's the only way i'll watch it We've got one more movie to go through with trailer talk, and it's Charlie's Angels. Hello? You're in grave danger. Get out of there now! Open safe house six. Welcome to the Townsend Agency. I run a covert group of exceptional women. So you guys are like lady spies. We work outside the rules. In secret, together. You may not know we exist, but we are always watching. Who steals humanitarian aid money? Who are you? You are in the presence of angels. So, you want to train to be an angel? Hell yeah. Give me my wings. Let's go! Where do you think you're going? You need to land this bird, Hoffman. What? Loves it or hates it? Hmm. This is like the tale of two trailers because I love the first half. Had a big smile on my face. Now, this this is also trailer two. And then the second half of the preview looks awful. There's like butt slapping. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to say loves it because I love the first half of this trailer. And as I told you, and it's so funny, a lot of people are saying for the for your YouTubers or just people who are commenting on YouTube, they're mentioning that Sony is pushing the marketing of the music more than the movie itself. And if you notice, as I told you, it's so funny at the end of this movie or at the end of the trailer, we end up getting a slate for all of the singers. I will go with, I loves this trailer, but I do think there's an interesting premise here. And that's with Elizabeth Banks. She works as like, the one training and bringing on Charlie's angels and she's recruiting. She's kind of going through the ropes with this new angel. I would like to see that because have we seen that before? I think that's new. They're usually already established. So I like the idea that they're training someone new and now it's this worldwide organization. And what happens whenever this is not just three women, but it's this group who are working together internationally. What does that look like? I am more intrigued by the storyline after watching this trailer than I was the first time. It looks really light and fluffy. To be expected. Got Kristen Stewart, though. So she I'm all looks in. a lot. They all three look like they're having a ball with this. If, yeah. I Ah, oh man, I can't tell if this is going to be good or bad. Elizabeth Banks, too, talked about how she wanted each of the ladies to star in the film and how she worked with them before 
to bring them on to this film. And that was really interesting. That was in a Kimmel interview. And that was that was a lot of fun to kind of hear the process for her and what that was like. I like that it's billed, like written and directed by Elizabeth Banks. And it's like, does anybody care? <laughs> yeah, that I've found to be very strange. Do you, you, you do find that the marketing for this movie is off though, right? I just... Mm. I th- I think the I think who they're going for is just not me. Even though I want to really want to like like this movie, this is your it's, movie. It's geared toward clearly women, young women. You Ar- think like Ariana Grande fans? And there's that also clip in the trailer where Banks walks in, and we end up having Miley, Lana Del Rey, and Ariana, and she says, "All right, angels, it's time to go to work." What is that? I mean, are they going to be in the movie too? Like you said? I think they're just having fun and mixing the two. Well, and that, that's like mixing the music. Like what you do in a music video or something. Well, and that, I mean, the music video is that. At the very end of the music video, Banks comes in and says that. Makes sense. But whenever you put that in the trailer for the movie, then it really muddies the waters and you're wondering, all right, so maybe they're going to have, which would be interesting, I guess, to see in the movie them like the three singers pop up and it's insinuated that they're no also angels. Let's not do that. Oh, I would love just, just one scene. That's it. I still have a feeling that this is going to do really well. I think that it will be a flop. It can't be a flop because it's in my fall fantasy. Ooh, you got to beat my Joker. Joker's now over 200 mil. Yeah. I legit might concede defeat oh. without having any of my movies come up. <laughs> Well, we'll save that conversation for another podcast because our free-for-all movie fantasy picks are on fire right now with one movie, and that's Joker. But we'll, All right, let's go. We'll have to wait for the others to come out. Lastly, before we dive into to stream or not to stream, what's the last thing that you watched? I watched a 1998 horror film. It's called Disturbing Behavior with a young Katie Holmes, James Marsden, Nick Stahl. It's kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but for kids. Disturbing behavior. Came out the same year as The Faculty. Remember that movie? But that was with the last horror film that I watched. And it is like super bad, but I also loved it. I mean, see, I feel like I would know the poster for this. Yeah, that's right. I just brought up the poster and I had no idea that Nick Stahl is in this movie. What's the last thing you watched? You said you had a, yes. you had a big surprise for I've me. got a movie that was mentioned on the last podcast, and I'm pretty sure you love this movie. It is a small indie film starring Tom Hardy. Oh, you watched Locke. I watched Locke. Did you love it? I actually really did. And in the first, like, 20 minutes whenever it's revealed, I won't say what that is, but we get to... The conflict of the story, and I thought, hmm, that's kind of what I thought would probably happen, but it totally makes sense why the movie's named Locke, and then the rest of the film centers around this one man. I think it's a brilliant idea. It's fantastic. And Stephen Knight, man, props to Stephen. I just, I still can't believe that out of him we've got Locke, Peaky Blinders, and Serenity. There's an interesting correlation between Locke and In the Tall Grass that I'll get into. And one of these movies does it very well. And one of these movies does it really, really bad. Well, I don't think we should delay this any further and just jump right into 
in the tall grass. I'm lost in here. Did you hear that? Someone out there? about this. I think we should head back to the road. Hit me with that plot. If I told you In the Tall Grass is about a quick rest stop for brother and sister on their cross-country trip that quickly turns into a battle against a supernatural evil, would that plot intrigue you? It would. I would say you might be onto something. Okay. And if I told you the writer-director of this movie is Vincenzo Natalie, who also directed <laughs> Splice. Splice, which is awful. Cube. Haven't seen. And the film is also based on the novella by Stephen King and Joe Hill, his son. That, might, that, that intrigues me a little bit, but it's also a novella. Ooh, what are we going to do with the novella? Well, you know, The Green Mile was also a novella, and that turned out to be great. Yeah, but if you listen to that, that takes like 20 hours to listen to. There are technically five, I believe there are five, small books that are all tied together. And I thought it was ingenious for Stephen King. Yeah, it's, 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 he's flexing his muscles in a different way. That works. That's amazing. And that, that was really cool. The movie, that turned out pretty great. But let me move on to the actors and actresses. We have several people in this film who are relatively unknown except for a one Patrick Wilson. One Patrick Wilson with a mustache. He is sporting a dad stash. If all those things on paper were given to you, and you were asked, would you watch this? How would you feel? Yeah, I would say hands down. It's why I sat and watched it. Okay. The Stephen King element is really kind of what got me into it. Add in a little Patrick Wilson, and I'm all in, baby. There are a few nuggets of the production that I want to read to you before we get into our overall thoughts about the film. First, this, was, this film was shot in real tall grass in Toronto, Canada. This was... For the most part, not CGI. Did it look CGI? Did you think a lot of the grass looked CGI or fake? Only when we do a lot of the insert crane shots. Sure. And it's swaying and it's moving and it stops. And that was. When it's living and breathing. That is clearly CG. It looks good. Sure. But when they're actually in the tall grass, no, it looked, it looked legit. So Natalie, the writer-director, approached Netflix with the idea several years ago and was shot down but after it became a success, he reapproached them and they approved it. They went forward with this idea. This is a part of King's Dollar Babies idea, where if a filmmaker approaches him, or rather approaches the entity of Stephen King and, and says, you know, I want to be able to take one of your stories and produce it for a buck, you can do that. Now, Natalie described that it was very extensive to go through with that. He did say, I found this interesting that both King and Hill were super easygoing about the movie adaptation, and they allowed him to make his own movie, how he saw it fit. But he thought it was really interesting. He does not know if Stephen King read his script because he had to submit 
uh, script to King for approval, and it was written off. But he's like, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, if if he actually read it. But he was also terrified to let King read a script. I'd be terrified too if, like, this is a story, and this is obviously the the King of Horror that he's submitting his final script to. But if King loved it and he gave you notes, then you're like, man, I really sold him on this. I love it. Now, a few other notes. Natalie thinks that Netflix and streaming in general will help pave the way for up-and-coming filmmakers, especially horror filmmakers, to take a very hands-off approach from executives um, working on films like In the Tall Grass. He also took dialogue directly from the original story, but he added on to the story elements, and he kind of drew that out a little bit more than how the, the novella ends. And there were was actually a lot of grueling work for the actors in this. They uh, shot in rain. They were actually cut by the grass, believe it or not. There was like a scene that you see uh, the, the main actress walking by, and you see it like sear her skin. That actually happened. I never would have known that without watching the, like, during that I thought, okay, well, that's building into the supernatural elements. And then... Lacela, who plays Becky, got hyper hypothermia for shooting Aww. a scene. And that's all I got for the production notes. There's one prediction that was made about this movie when we were teasing it, and it is Patrick Wilson will have his shirt off in this movie, at least in one scene. You I said, was close. I feel like I was very close. You yeah, I was so you said yes, I said no, and then we didn't get that. Were you upset about that? Uh, I mean, just because of the bet. But at one point, he starts like trying to rape the girl, and I was like, "Oh, great! This is it. This is yeah, how I win." That's that's going to be the scene. And there was something else, though. I think it was whenever he goes full bonkers, and I was expecting him to rip off his shirt. I do have one question about this casting. Okay, because Patrick Wilson is the big name, but I, I watching this movie as we see Patrick Wilson slowly losing it, and I wondered would. This have been better if Nick Cage played the role. I don't know. I thought Patrick Wilson. I mean, he goes was good. He goes into the cage rage. Yeah, he does. I I I still like seeing Wilson in this. We don't usually see him act like this, which is no. why it's fun because usually he's he's a good guy. He's reserved. And in this, he goes he goes full willy nilly. Yeah, he's subtle, but not in this movie. <laughs> no, not in this movie. All right, overall thoughts. What's the best thing about this movie? Oh, we're starting with the best. Man, I got like four pages of bad. Well, because this the, movie is a stinker. The the reason why I thought we'd start out with the best, and that's would be a great segue with Patrick Wilson, because I think, hands down, he's one of the best parts of this movie. You know what, honestly... He's fun because of how wacky he gets, but nobody in this movie stood out to me, acting-wise. Yeah. Now, P Patrick, with him just going overboard, that's kind of the main reason why I have his name done. I, I would say I, I respect that this at least attempts to be somewhat of a slow-burn thriller. Yeah. I like that it gets wacky at times where we see The Rock. It's kind of never hinted at exactly what it is. Um, it adds a sci-fi element to it that I like. I wish it would have gone a little further in explaining it, but I like that it lets you kind of come to terms of what you think it is. And visually, I think it's actually um, pretty good looking. 
Um, we have the lonely stretch of highway. We have the dusty church. And then we have the tall grass itself, which is basically its own character. And they do a lot of, I think, visually creative stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Those those are the nicest things I can say. Honestly, the best thing about this movie might be the Sam Cooke song at the very, you know, the very start. <laughs> and that's not good. That's that's uh, that that added about a half star in my rating. Ooh, yeah, I honestly I I agree with what you're saying in terms of the the slow burn because that this story is kind of like the reverse of in the Garden of Eden where this is the rock which spoilers on this going forward the rock is this element of the snake and once you touch it you just like go off the deep end but is that true because i took it one thing have you read the book i am not the novella i haven't either so it's hard to comment on that i took it as maybe if i touched the rock i wouldn't i wouldn't have the same it wouldn't have the same effect on me as it does patrick wilson it's kind of uh who you are inside. Like the yep. when Tony Stark takes the Infinity Gauntlet and he snaps his fingers, he's not he's not doing what Thanos does. It's he's because his intentions are different. Yeah. So I, it's never explained. I took it kind of as um it may not entirely be evil, it could be something that's actually really good depending on the person. Yeah. That's kind of what they were alluding to, but it is up to you to determine how do you handle this like do you give in to the evil side is it too much for you to take because for most people it is and at the end of the movie we see that for the boyfriend or the father of the baby he sacrificed himself so that his wife well his girlfriend rather and his future child would be able to escape and the rest of them would be able to get out and live their own lives but I do like that it plays with time. I think that it was a little mishandled, but overall those those are my favorites. And then Patrick Wilson just going nuts. I thought he he went in that King-esque villain that whenever in the King stories, the villain gets a little crazy, and Patrick Wilson, I thought, did that pretty well. How does the time work, though? It is... And that, like I said, is mishandled, I feel. And it was very confusing, but it's almost like you go in and all of these alternate timelines and other lives that you live, you're trapped now in this maze or tall grass. And it's like the maze in The Shining. I thought that was very interesting. I like that. And I found that to be very intriguing to kind of keep me thinking about this movie long after it was over. So at some point, they they kind of reverse and save themselves from going back into the grass. Yeah. So at that point, in the grass, they have gone backwards in time? Because the shortcut that we're shown, and Patrick Wilson even says there are a lot of shortcuts, some crazy line like that, and they get out, there's a shortcut to the past, and they get out to prevent uh, themselves. I mean, I get it, but they don't, that's not clearly executed. We see them going multiple times. Yeah. And it's a good idea though. I like time travel stuff. It's it's a it's a great idea. And I also love that it's this being, so to speak, that is really sucking the life out of you and also time. Like they're the essence of time is really weird inside of the grass. I thought that was really cool. I think at times reminded me, and it's not too similar, but it's got the Tommy Knockers feel to it. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Which which I dig. 
There's a lot of this I like. It's just it's not handled very well. So what's the bad? Um, I think we have a lot. I the think worst the, parts. I think worst the worst thing. part is what I mentioned with Locke is it's able to be a bottle episode and be incredible but only take place inside of a car the entire time. Yeah. This takes place inside of tall grassy entire time. And after 15 minutes, I had checked out. Uh, this is one of the most unengaging movie as I have ever seen. Now, for me, I ended up, and I told you, I thought it was only an hour and 20 minutes, and this movie clocks in at an, an hour and 41 minutes. How is it an hour and 40 minutes? It should be an hour and 20, if that. I feel like, now here's where, and it will be interesting because I have thought about this movie and what would work in the format. I think this would work great as a short film. Keep it as a short film. And release it. You, would this have been better as a episode of Creep Show or The Twilight yes. Zone, yep. something like that? 100%. Yeah, easily. But as far as like the worst thing, I think the running time for me is that that it's just like there's so much to this that it kind of takes away from the film overall. And Netflix should have just done this Netflix and chills what they wanted to do and bring this on as like a short film or just a one-off, whatever. It doesn't even have to be attached to an anthology series, but it's way too long. Yeah. It's repetitive, incredibly repetitive. It's not scary. Yeah. And one other issue I had too is who is the main character? Because we're introduced to the brother and sister. It's basically following her mostly Mm -hmm. and then she kind of disappears and we were introduced to her like a strange boyfriend ex-boyfriend and then we kind of follow patrick wilson around and i could never latch on to anybody because it's constantly shifting who we're focusing on yeah and i think with that it's an interesting way of the filmmakers behind this to find a way to tell a non-linear story and a non-linear structure with these characters who they're all kind of like an ensemble, but it's not an ensemble. That's and it just the, didn't work. Yeah, that's how this somehow weirdly would be better as like six episodes at 20 minutes a pop. And you're focusing on different people entering sure. and then they're somehow all coming together. But we don't need that. No, I would say just a one-off short film style for this would be great. I will say though, overall, I did not mind this. Um, there, yeah, there, there were a lot of things that I thought, you know what? I think it could have been done better, but I was okay watching it. So you're saying to stream? I would say to stream this. Yeah. I cannot recommend this movie to anybody. It's way too long. It is. Now here's the thing. It is too long. I think that the characters, and you were getting into this, I think they're very underdeveloped and I don't really care about any of them. Yeah, I didn't care about any of them. Um, but the I, I found the idea, the story, the premise to be the most interesting thing. And then also kind of what happens in this and this maze that we're introduced to. But I think that this is one of those, like, as a King adaptation, I would highly recommend for those, especially of King Works, to watch this. And tis the season. We're in Halloween. So it's not scary, though. Do not go into this expecting to be spooked. There is a gruesome scene, actually several it's scenes. It's actually pretty, that, pretty violent. Yeah. And why, that, one question. Mm-hmm. Why is Joe Hill, why does he have the last name Hill? Joe just wanted to go under a name that wasn't, like, 
if he went Joe King, then he didn't want that to be a direct way to for people to say, oh, you're Stephen King's son. He didn't want that to come off as like, I guess, a hand-me-out, so to speak. And that's why he went with Joe Hill. All right, I can get behind that. So you're saying not to stream and the tall grass. I say to stream. I'm really interested to hear where you lie on our next film, El Camino. You ready? Yeah. After fleeing from captivity, meth maker protege Jesse Pinkman tries to escape police and his past. Ooh. As you said, this is everyone, well, kind of everyone who worked on Breaking Bad. We've got writer-director Vince Gilligan, or as I said in the last podcast, Vince Gillian. Yeah, what was wrong with you last time? You were getting everything wrong. I just love mispronouncing everything. And get this. Major spoilers for Breaking Bad fans, because we are going to get into the actors. This will spoil it. I just want to say once again, if you have not seen Breaking Bad, or you don't care, or one of those that you haven't seen El Camino yet, we're going to rattle off a few names that you're going to be like, wait, what? They're in this? If you didn't think you were going to see all of these people again, you're insane. Except for there's an interesting point to be made for those who do not appear, and I'll bring that up and at the very end of this list. First off, we've got Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman. We've also got Jonathan Banks as Mike. Jesse Plemons as Todd. Matt Jones as Badger. Charles Baker as Skinny Pete. Larry Hankin as Old Joe. And Robert Forster as Ed the Disappearer. R.I.P. The late Robert Forster. R.I.P. Who just months ago we were talking about how incredible he is in Jackie Brown. Max Candy, baby. And now he's no longer with us. I have to say, what was very eerie, I watched El Camino, and then the next day, that's whenever I found out about Robert. And so, Do you think you caused him to die? It was... You think it's your fault? No. (laughs) I watched it the day he passed away. I had already known he had died. So it it was a little eerie to be like, oh, he's showing up in this, but... Did you... You expected him to come back? No, I had no... There's two people that, honestly, I can say that I didn't expect to see back. And Jesse Plemons, I didn't think we were going to spend so much time Mm -hmm. with Todd. And Robert Forster was the other one I had no idea was in this. I, honestly, whenever he popped up, I thought, this is really cool to see him. And I honestly liked him better in this than I did in the episodes i think it was just one episode though that he was in and very Bad. late in the mm-hmm. series and full disclosure i don't remember that at all really i remember he came in the van and he picked up walt mm-hmm. and he picked up uh, saul and which by the way speaking of we get one scene with walt played by brian cranston and it's a scene with uh cranston and pink or uh Paul together in the diner. Oh, and we also get Kristen Ritter. Yeah, you said that was going to happen. I said there's no yep. chance. And it happens, and I, I almost fast-forwarded. Oh! <laughs> I'm not a fan of hers. Oh, you don't like Kristen? Not particularly, no. I find I her say, very annoying. I got a huge crush. 
Seriously? No, I do. I do like her though. I mean, she's cute. I just don't think she's. I just find her characters usually very are very annoying. I don't. I I wouldn't say that I've got a crush, but I I did Kristen Ritter. Now those watch Veronica Mars. She's in season two in the movie. And also, you see Jessica Jones. You don't need to see that. It show sucks. Oh, you so of the Marvel shows on Netflix. That's your least favorite or one of the. Least? I never finished. They started canceling them all. I never finished it, but I, I only saw season one of Jessica Jones, and I thought it was awful. That stinks because I, probably, everyone else loves it, so I don't know what to mm. say. Now, those actors and actresses who we did not see, we did not see Walt Jr., we did not see Hank, we did not see Skyler or Marie. And we hear about Marie, though. Yes. Now, here's here's the funny thing. Vince said he tried to think of a way to bring back those characters, except for Hank, because R.I.P. Hank and r.i.p marie yeah that's right uh it's interesting because he wa- vince wanted to bring back walt jr skyler and he didn't say anything about saul for this but uh anyways for this he said he'd like to revisit them but he didn't want to force this he said this is a story about jesse pinkman this is something that he Felt bad not being able to devote as much time and attention to Jesse and the later episodes of Breaking Bad when it was wrapping up because it was about Walt's story. Well, we got to see what happened to Walt. This is what Vince wanted us to see for Jesse. This is this is all about Jesse. Well, that was my big question. Did Vince have El Camino in mind when he was wrapping up Breaking Bad? No. Apparently, while reading an interview, which will be posted on our Twitter page later once this episode is up this great interview on rolling stone magazine and rolling stone magazine with vince and he's talking sharing a lot of his thoughts and he was kind of distraught after breaking bad he described it as very draining to work on the entire process but it wasn't immediate it was after the fact and he was like i am curious what happened to pinkman that's what everyone I would say Pinkman is the most popular character on the show and not getting we get closure but we don't get much more than what we get and I always wondered what happens to this character so you know it's interesting now I did not watch this live so I can't I I, I know you had talked about that on the last podcast episode but for me I ended up binging the series and I honestly felt like this show was so well tied up I was okay with it ending and never spending any more time with any of these characters. I love them, don't get me wrong, but I thought that book is closed. We're able to move it to the side, put it on the shelf. But returning to El Camino has been very interesting, and I have had very mixed feelings about this ever since watching this movie. Now, similar to In the Tall Grass, I've got a few nuggets that I'd like to talk about. First, Vince said that he met with the writers of Better Call Saul to pitch this idea to them, and he did not want to mess up any of the Better Call Saul storylines or their plans on how they want that show to end. And with that being the case, he brought them on to give them him notes on you know where the story should go and maybe how to ramp up some of the tension, things like that. And I found that to be very interesting that he he was talking about Breaking Bad. They didn't really have an idea of how it would end. And he thanked Stephen King for the process of writing a story because it all is based in 
kind of being impulsive, writing the story as you go so that you're surprised, kind of like the audience members, um, to keep that refreshing. Now, I found this to be the most interesting part of the interview he had with Rolling Stone. Vince said that you can watch Breaking Bad separately, Better Call Saul separately, and El Camino separately. And he's like, you can get a full story in all of those if you just pick one of those and that's it. But he said, if you watch all three, then you'll get the entire storyline that weaves among them all. I don't think you can watch El Camino by itself. I don't agree with that at all. I've been thinking about that. And for a lot of people, I don't think it would really make a lot of sense. Yes. And it won't have the same emotional effect on you if you haven't spent... Six seasons with Jesse Pinkman. And you, for the most part, Pinkman comes off in a very different light, I feel like, if you haven't watched it versus if you have. And you like the Walt and Jesse scene in the diner, like that won't make sense. Because yep. you're going to be like, who is this? Jesse is not who he is back then to, compared to who he is right now. And Kristen Ritter. And <laughs> like all of that. I mean, all of these characters. Like, who's, Yeah, you're not going to understand the uh, Kristen Ritter thing at all. And like who's Mike, who he's standing on the edge of the bank, you know, talking to Mike about going to Alaska in the very beginning of the film. So it's a lot of interesting elements. I and think I, he's lost it. I, Oh, Vince? So that brings me to the next two questions. We've been tossing this around a lot. Was El Camino necessary? It was not necessary, but I'll say they successfully answered everything that I had wondered. It doesn't hurt the show in any way. Okay, because next question is, does it add or take away from Breaking Bad? I think it adds to it a little bit. It adds to the Pinkman storyline. Okay. It's not necessary. Um, If you watched the series and never saw El Camino, it wouldn't take any... you, You wouldn't be hindered in any way. Originally, Vince wanted to do a short film and call it 63. And that would be the title of the episode. And it's a one-off where it focuses, and it's the epilogue on Jesse. But then he started talking about this with the other writers, and they said, well, why call it 63? It's almost like saying that there's more to Breaking Bad, and technically Breaking Bad ended with Walt and his death. And we... Like 63 insinuates that there's more to Breaking Bad, but you've already said that there's not. Um, so it's this really interesting element. So he started thinking more about it. Well, do I release this as a one-hour movie? Well, let's just do it too. And he said it just kept morphing over time. Honestly, I don't think it was necessary. And it, like you said, it adds a little bit to Breaking Bad. I, I don't want to reveal my hand too much, so I'm going to save that for later. Overall thoughts. Let's get into that. Best thing about it. It's just good to be back in the world of Breaking Bad. I don't watch Better Call Saul. Do you watch that? I started it, and I stopped it, not because I disliked it, but I was moving at the time, and I just didn't have any time to watch it. And then the episodes ended up, like, I think that season ended, which was season one, and I just was not able to go back and watch it in time and catch up. Maybe I should watch it, but Saul's never registered, like, Jesse Pinkman did or Walt did. So joining him on another, is that a prequel or a sequel? It's a prequel? It's both. It leads into it? It's it's technically leads up to Breaking Bad and then we get a little bit of his story after Breaking Bad. Okay. I've never had a desire to um, join Saul on his next adventures. I'll say that. And I know a lot of people who really like that show, but... 
it's not something that I've ever had a strong desire to watch. I would say the best thing about El Camino, revisiting the characters who we know. But I started thinking, this is deeper. What about, like, if I'm watching this just as a movie by itself, and yeah, there's some tension, and it's shot well, and the dialogue's good, so I'm going to have to say that being under the supervision of Vince Gilligan, that would be the best thing about this. Yeah, and Aaron Paul is incredible. I would say that yeah. he is perhaps the best part. I think a lot of these, it's a trip down memory lane. It's what Endgame did, where it's sure. let's kind of revisit all the, the greatest hits. Um, and I think two of those are a hindrance. Kristen Ritter, we don't need that. Yeah. That's completely unnecessary. And actually, I, the Walt scene, other than bringing back Brian Cranston, that was pretty unnecessary. I've thought a lot about that because in the very beginning of that scene, I thought this is not needed. I love it's to see Walt. It's complete fan service. I, I love to see Walt and Jesse together. I love that. And I love to see their chemistry once more, even if it's just for a scene. But I love the final line that Walt says to Jesse during that. And it's, you know, at least you didn't wait your entire life to do something great or something like that. And I thought, man, that was kind of a, a gut punch because, but then again, if you watch this and don't know who that is, you're like, okay, well, what it is isn't that? Anything. But yeah. I agree. Yeah, the diner scene ends up being incredible. But a lot of the dialogue in that scene feels like fan surface. It almost feels like, like an old rocker who <laughs> has new music, but he keeps going back to that one song from <laughs> 30 years prior that he can never escape because it's just what people want to hear and they love. Yep. That's kind of what that felt like to me. Still a really good scene. And I did enjoy seeing Brian Cranston again. Yeah. It made me kind of wonder if I wanted more Breaking Bad. That inspired me to eventually, very soon, go back and I think do an entire rewatch of Breaking Bad because it's just so good. I would like to watch the later scenes because I think the last three seasons I've only seen one time. So I think going back and watching that again would be a lot of fun. Well, I also think it shows this very interesting progression of Jesse from this free high school kid and who Walt can't remember, you know, whether or not he graduated, which is funny. And I like that. That's a funny that's, bit. Yeah. And that, that, all of that's that is funny to see like this progression and even in the movie just whenever we see a flashback of jesse then to what he is now but the entire show to see the progression of that character is very fascinating and i just want to spend more time with them again even if it's something that we've lived in before as breaking bad fans it would be fun to just open that book again i kind of want to rewatch el camino Rewatch it? Yeah, I think it'll be better the second time around. After you rewatch Breaking Bad or those later episodes. Yeah, maybe the final season leading up to it. Worst thing about this? Uh, I The fan service a little bit, I feel, is is really heavy. Um, you can't, I just don't think you can enjoy this unless you're a Breaking Bad fan. That's, and I think that's mm -hmm. probably the worst thing about this. That's for me, yeah. And then just little things like throughout the, the movie, Pinkman gets into situations that no human being on Earth could get out of, but he somehow finds a way to defeat the odds. And it's all a little too convenient. Um, but I am glad that in the end we get the happy ending um, that he rightfully deserves. Justice for Jesse. And I hope we get a new spinoff series where he gets back into meth. 
in in Alaska. And that's where Vince. Okay, I'll 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 say two things real quick. Vince said he wanted to give him a happy ending because if he becomes Walt Jr., not his son, but you know, following in the same footsteps, it's a tragedy. But he wanted something happy. I argue, and this is a good time. This would have been a better series, like a limited series, a mini series rather than a film. I'm more interested in seeing Jesse and how he copes with getting out versus him escaping. This is an escape movie. He's got to get out of town. Yeah, that was okay. But for me, I want to see the turmoil. How does he live as an everyman? What does he do? He's going to live alone in the uh, the snowy woods is what he's going to live. Does he settle down finally find love? Can he, he find love? Does gonna, he have a child? Like That's going to take a while. But he this is saying he'll never get back into the game because he already wanted out. Yeah, but I want to see what does he struggle with? What, what if they actually called the movie Breaking Free? Oh! <laughs> I would probably like that a little bit better. Did you no, like I, the title El Camino? Actually, I do because that stands for the road as well. I mean, I get it, but and the, he, has, he has an El Camino momentarily. The the car and, and the meaning. I think the double entendre there, I dig. I like Breaking Free. I'm going to talk to Vince. <laughs> he may be down for doing more, but that's where I think the, the larger hindrance for this is. Uh, because overall, I know I'm probably going to be shot on sight by Breaking Bad fans. I just thought this was just okay. Yeah, I didn't... Mm. It was fine. That's the best way I can describe it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm just right in the middle. This is also kind of along the in the tall grass lines where we're taking basically a pretty thin premise and we're stretching it. And this happens to be two hours. I don't think it feels too long, but it also... what Did it need to be two hours long? Not for what it is. I think there is a lot of stuff that definitely feels drawn out like i guess I love, if you're if you're gonna finish the story why not do a movie i love i love me some jesse plemons and i love the whole todd bit but that went on way too long i love the whole like the guys are coming and not sure if they're cops and then it turns out that he's having to fight these old guys and the flashbacks of that went on too long like there are certain things about that i enjoyed but to me i'm like all right was that it was it was like a, you're playing a video game, and every new level you get to is going to harken back to something from your past. Yep. And that got a little annoying. And it just, it, it's one of those that I will say for to stream or not to stream, stream it if you're a Breaking Bad fan. Do not stream it if you're not. Yeah, I would agree. Would you, li- did, would you say you liked El Camino more than In the Tall Grass? Yes. Oh. I, I would take pretty much anything over in the tall grass. Would you take? I'd rather watch disturbing behavior every single day. Would you? Would you take a Rob Zombie movie over? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> I hope you've had as much fun as we have. I didn't have any fun. Well, you will my have fun. Not working. I can't stream these movies. <sighs> Hopefully you'll have fun on the next episode where we review every single movie on Shudder. <laughs> Don't forget that you can rate us and subscribe so that you know when a new episode of Quality Check drops into your podcast player. You can follow us on Twitter so you can read that Vince Gilligan interview. We're on Twitter at Quality Check Pod, Instagram Quality Check Podcast, or shoot us emails to Podcast at gmail.com. 
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. Even if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.